Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz. It is Tuesday afternoon. Great to have your company as uh, we run through 10 stocks that you've suggested we take a look at. I put it to uh, an expert panel for their opinion on the stocks. It's called The Call and we're on every weekday at midday, between midday and 1pm. So it's a, a fast and furious 60 minutes, highly informative, a lot of fun. And today's expert panel, Howard Coleman from Team Invest is with us. Howard, how are you, sir? Oh, well, and, and you, David, all well there? Going well, and I see, what have you, uh, you've got your Wealth Winners, which is the one you wrote, uh, the Conscious Investor behind you, is that is that one of yours? Uh, sort of, it's John Price, a colleague of mine uh, who collaborated with me on, on the other book, on the Wealth Winners book. Oh, and right. it's the sort of philosophical background behind everything that we do in Team Invest. So that's a much older book, uh, about right. 10 years old. Okay. And it's the philosophical underpinning. Yeah, yeah, and you can get the books on, what's the um, the financial online bookstore? Educated Investor uh, website. Uh, they're a bookstore that specializes in business and uh, investing books, uh, educatedbookstore.com.au. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, sorry, educatedinvestor.com.au. Yeah. And uh, both of them are available through there. Excellent. And they do have a great range of uh, investment books on that side as well. Um, well, Howard, that, um, uh, the books give you uh, stamina in terms of investing. But uh, Gary Glover from Novus Capital joins us. Not only has he got stamina in the investing market, but also physically too. He's feeling his age at the moment. Uh, Gary, welcome back. You've done a half marathon through what up Mount Kosciuszko? First, first ever. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Wow. How'd you go? So, so things you do when you turn fifty, I guess. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll cry me a river. Yeah. <laughs> um, how'd it go? Yeah, no, it was great. So it was, uh, I think, I was, yeah, just somewhere in the middle. So uh, yeah, not right. not too bad. I think I did pretty well for my age. So, oh, uh, good. Yeah. You got to do another one. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yeah. All yeah. right. Saudi, a bit tentative. <laughs> Give him another week or so. All right, uh, before we get uh, stuck into your 10 stocks, uh, I take a look at um, a stock that's in the news I bring up, stock of the day. Thought we'd have a look at West African Resources today as it's released an investor presentation setting maiden guidance of between 
250 and 280,000 ounces of gold to be uh, produced in 2021 um, at a uh, all-in sustaining cost of between 720 and 800 US dollars per ounce. And when you consider the gold price is about what, 16, 1700 US dollars per ounce at the moment, um, that's not a bad margin. Um, Gary, how do you uh, judge these smaller gold miners? Yeah, look, I just sort of, I guess I look at the commodity sort of first and foremost. So yep. I've sort of got a bit of a neutral view on the basket all the time. So yeah. we're sort of tending to see in the last 12 months that uh, some commodities are running pretty hot and others yep. are running pretty cool. So we're seeing obviously the oil price run pretty hot at the moment, whereas gold price has been the opposite. We've been almost heading the opposite direction yeah. to other commodities. And we're seeing things like lithium have a bit of a hot run. So I'd look at the, the basket first, yep. and then you're sort of looking at, uh, you know, sort of drilling down into the sector to sort of find your preferred picks in there. So- yep. What uh, do you think of West African resources? Yeah, look, it's not one that I sort of follow too much there. Often, oftentimes I'm looking for what we call relative um, sort of performance. So yep. I'm looking for the stocks that have probably held up the best. So yep. rather than have a like a 50% correction, if they've sort of only pulled back maybe 20, 30% held up nice and tight, yep. usually leaves them in a pretty strong position to move higher. So. Interesting chart on uh, West, mm. Western African here. We've sort of had a really big three-wave correction, which is sort of, that's the sort of typical uh, correction you normally see in markets. Right. And gold's been very unfavorable for quite a while here now, used up a lot of time. Yeah. So mm. a lot of stocks are kind of suppressed here. So uh, they're on my radar at the moment, a lot of the gold stocks there, having a look through those, trying to work out which ones I would prefer to look at. Right. Um, so do you, do you, uh, when you look at gold stocks, do you look so so you're reasonably keen on the gold sector at the moment so I'm looking because at it. it's come down. You look at it. Do you look at a basket of sort of your, your premiums, your mid ranking and then your specs? You yeah. put Western resources in the spec end, would you? Yeah. Or? So you should be sort of trying to pick your leaders and stuff there. Or, um, so hopefully if you're... I guess the relative performance to the market. So if you look at the whole basket, which yep. which stocks are outperforming in the basket of gold, right? And then you're trying to come in there. So I'm using oftentimes a lot of technicals as well. So I like the idea of a mix. So you're right. in that because the the safer ends being in the big caps. Yep. So but you won't get the outperformance, but yep. there'll be a bit of safety there. Whereas your sort of middle middle more growth there will probably give you a bit more of the, of the performance. So, right. But that comes with the risk. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So, But it's all about risk management as well, the trade. So you'd yep. be basically looking, you know, so I'm at the moment here, we're kind of making new lows. Yep. So I would like to see a, you know, maybe a series of a first higher low, sort of uh, see some sort of volume come in, see a pullback on, uh, on less volume, just a bit of a consolidation, just see something positive start to start to drill there. But the sector's definitely on the radar at the moment because it's totally out of favour. Yep. Been out of favour for quite a while. It's all come back in three ways. It's all time consuming here. So we've, we, for me, we're getting kind of close to something okay. here. Yeah. All right. Um, Howard, what's your view on Western resources and, and secondly, gold? It does, does it really fit the team invest sort of strategy? Um, not really, because uh, if I take gold first, um, gold miners have a notorious habit of um, being more efficient at mining their shareholders' wallets than they are at returning money to shareholders. They do continual capital raisings. They always need more money for something. It's either for exploring or for digging a hole or for 
building a plant to process whatever it is they dug the hole um, for, usually gold. Um, and eventually they're selling a commodity that they have no control over the price. So very, very few gold miners in history have ever turned into wealth winners. Uh, I grew up in South Africa, started all my investing in South Africa. Our stock exchange had more gold miners than it had all other companies put together on the stock exchange. And it was the country that produced at that stage about 75% of all the world's gold. And there were very, very few of those gold miners that turned into wealth winners. Most of them were very good at doing capital raisings and collecting money from their shareholders and very poor at returning money to their shareholders. And the same applies here. If we look at West African resources, um, two things that bother me about it. One is in its metrics. They had 163 million shares on issue in 2011. That had become 196 million in 2013, 270 million in 2014, 409 million in 2016, 863 million in 2018, and they've now got 870 million shares. In other words, they've been regularly calling on their shareholders to put more money into the company. They've never paid a dividend, and they're in a country, Burkina Faso, which has been independent from France since about 1960, and has had in that time probably somewhere close to 10 coup d'etats, um, where the government's been turfed out violently and replaced by a new president and a new government. Now, usually what happens in uh, these uh, African dictatorships when uh, one government uh, is booted out and replaced by another is uh, all the rules and all the agreements that you had all get torn up and you've got to start all over again. Yeah. So with the huge sovereign risk combined with the fact that this company's never made a profit but has consistently raised more money from shareholders, uh, Team Invest members would take one look at this and say, uh, definitely doesn't fit what we're looking for, which is companies with the highest chance of being wealth winners over a long period of yep. time. Yep, very good point. All right, let's uh, get stuck into the uh, stocks you suggested we have a look at. And uh, Howard's still in the resource area, but uh, in terms of the other um, end of, uh, if you like, size to uh, Western Resources, Woodside Petroleum, uh, Australia's biggest independent oil and gas company. Um, and um, as Gary was saying, the, the oil prices had a bit of a kick up over the last couple of weeks or so, and was almost coming up to the anniversary of when it went negative, which was a weird situation back then a year ago, wasn't it? So uh, what do you think of Woodside? Well, I think in, 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 it's likely that uh, as the world economy comes out of the problems that it's had caused by COVID, that oil prices could rise still further. Now the Saudis and OPEC could turn on the taps again and bring the oil price down. But at this stage, they probably don't want to. But again, the problem with a company like Woodside is it's got no control over the selling price of its product. And it's highly capital intensive. When they develop a new gas field or they develop a new oil field, they're spending billions of dollars one year with the idea of making profits out of that, probably 10 years down the track and for another 20 years after that. And when you consider that the world is moving away from uh, energy sourced from uh, these sort of sources, um, the long time horizons really 
wouldn't excite our members of Team Invest. So again, a, a no from us. Its return on equity over the last five years has been very low, and uh, that would mean it wouldn't have any chance of passing the filters. So I'm pretty sure there'd be uh, probably zero Team Invest members who would own Woodside, although you never know, there may be one or two of them that actually do. Okay, all right. Um, Gary, what do you think of uh, Woodside? Yes, I think most of the broker vales Upside vales are sort of that twenty-eight, twenty-nine dollars. Right. Uh, so that's where it might be able to get to, maybe technically as well. Here, I'm just looking at the charts, so it looks kind of positive here. But we're getting pretty close to the end of the move here, so we've already we've already had a pretty good run. So mm. if we look at just the uh, like the valuations there, we're probably trading on uh, around nineteen times there. So if you look at the historical, I think it trades on between twelve and. Uh, 19 times for like the last decade. Yeah. So we're currently on around 19 times. So even even looking at an improved earnings for the next couple of years, we're probably trading on 19 to 20 times earnings. So right. we're just getting pretty getting a bit pricey here, pricing in a large degree of success. So uh, so therefore you've got a um, you know everyone's seeing uh, an improvement in earnings going forward. So the earnings are actually going to be stronger for the next couple of years. But even allowing for that and executing, they're still pretty pricey here. So, right. yeah, so just for me, it's like, there's momentum there at the moment, so probably gonna go slightly higher, but this is the sort of time to be, you know, when they start getting up around that 19, 20 times, that should be time to be right. exiting that trade, yeah. so. Okay, so that's yeah. uh, the top, top of the peak, if you like, in its trading bank. Yeah, forward. look, we've, we're getting to the top of that. I mean, the market, now we've, we've now had all the stimulus, we've got coming to yeah. the end of COVID, you know, markets are roaring here, so, Pretty much a lot of the good news is out there now. So yep. what you know? So if you think there's uh, no more great news to come, that's yep. usually we're getting pretty close to the market here. So markets climb the wall, worry, yep. and all of a sudden get all the great news at the at the top. Yep. It's like everyone thinks, oh, we're finally coming out of the period. Um, yep. That's usually when markets peak. So okay. just got to be a bit cautious here into these sort of okay. euphoria good news. So uh, wrong part of the cycle for Woodside for you. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, Paul wants a view on CSL, okay, the old Commonwealth Serum Laboratory. They're the ones that do the flu vaccine, big global Australian medtech company, I suppose. If you're, if you're talking medtechs, you'd go uh, Cochlear, CSL and ResMed are the great Australian companies, global companies around the world. Uh, since I've been doing the call, lots of uh, experts on the panel have said, look, if you can get CSL below $300, you know, it's always a good buy because it's a great wealth winner. Well, Paul wants a view saying, yes, he's heard buy below 300, then it was buy below 290, then buy below 280, then below 270. Today it's 250, $250 a share. To give you an idea uh, of where that is, um, it was, uh, last time it was this, it was about October 2019. Now, um, what do you think of CSL shares, Gary? Yeah, well, I haven't been one of those people telling people to rush in and buy here because the technical picture has been pretty negative. So yep. actually suggesting going back and retested the, the 18 low. And if we look at the multiples there, I know we're back to around 31, 32 times here. So stocks had a fairly big correction in price already. Yes. And we're still on a pretty decent multiple. So even looking forward there, we're on about 38 times 21 earnings and we're on about 37 times yep. uh, forward 22 earnings. So Still not super cheap here, even though it's had a pretty decent pullback. The last result was pretty good. Revenue line was pretty nice, but the issue there was that uh, there's been a disruption to the plasma collections and also the profitability 
came from like a lot of the uh, the vaccine unit as well, which is not yes. going to kick on through the next period. So, so even even though it's producing the AstraZeneca vaccine, well, they've already been paid for a lot of the vaccines. Million. Yeah, so that was the that was basically the last uh, profit line was up quite a bit because they've yep. already received a lot of that vaccine money. So that's right. kind of a, a wouldn't yep. say a one off there, but predominantly. Been, been, when they talk about plasma collection, this is um, blood donations, which. They get lots of their blood out of the US where you get paid to get blood, don't you? And because of COVID, that's yeah. been cut, cut right down. And they're big producers of flu shots. And because we're so hygienic now, there's been no, no flu suits. Yeah, so the vaccine stuff's gone up and then the, um, the, the plasma stuff has had some yeah. issues. So yeah. but the market will be a little bit nervous as to the disruption in plasma and yeah. whether that can be turned around a bit here. But look, that. Interesting technical marker I sort of see is around that sort of 233, which is the, the high from 2018. So, oftentimes, just looking at whether oh, yeah, there, whether, there we see it, there. yeah, the middle so whether, of 2018, 2019, yeah. that's $233. So, so, oftentimes, like a, when a trend sort of goes up, it, it might come back and sit on top of the previous high and then go again. So, right. just like it builds, builds, builds. So, you know, I'd like to sort of see it maybe come back to around that mark, 233. Um, Going below 243, which it did today, means it's actually just gone back and retested the last low in early 2000. It was obviously the COVID low. COVID low so yeah. it's actually broken to a new low, which is right. what you want to see as well. So if it did reverse here, you might be getting interested, like we call like a little false break, if we go to a new low and then not follow right. through. But yep. somewhere between 233 and 243 right. might be okay. our zone here. But you, yeah. you want to be seeing some technical evidence rather than... You know, to me, it's just a bit of a target range to be looking at. Yep, yeah, and yeah. then I want to see some evidence that we're going to... Because there's a few issues there that's not cheap mm. here. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And you've got to remember, they've actually been outlaying some money to keep growing as well. So I know they're a great sure. company, but yeah, the multiples, the, the growth they've had in the past, it's not guaranteed. And the bigger you get, the harder yeah. it is to keep growing at the post. a new factory, all that sort of stuff yeah. for the COVID vaccines. Mm. Uh, Howard, what do you think of CSL? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably Australia's greatest success story. You mentioned ResMed and Cochlear, which are also fantastic success stories from Australia. But this one, definitely the greatest success story of, of all three of them. Um, Marvellously well-run business. McNamee now back in the business, this time as chairman. He's the guy who really built it up as a CEO. And in the end, companies are largely run by people. So that's a huge positive. And of course, it's got demographics in its favour. You know, we're talking now about vaccines and so on, but that's a very small part of their business. Um, the plasma collection in the US, obviously a bit of a problem at the moment during COVID, but that's temporary. And what they do with the plasma is where they make the money. They don't make money out of collecting the plasma. Uh, that's just buying their product, but it's what they do with it. And the vast majority of the things that they're using plasma for are used predominantly by people who are not all that young anymore. Now, Gary spoke about uh, his marathon at the age of 50, and which I'm very impressed about, by the way, Gary, well done <laughs> indeed. Um, but I would love to be 50 once again. It's so long ago, I can't even really remember. Now, my generation, the baby boomers, are spending approximately uh, four times as much on health as they were 20 years ago. And they're a very, very big cohort in the United States, in Europe, and in Australia. So the demand for CSL's products 
is rising at a rapid rate. I'm pleased to say I haven't yet been a contributor in, in needing any of their products, but I don't think it'll be too much longer before I am, and most of my cohort already are. Now, that augurs really, really well for CSL. And the short-term problem with collections of plasma in the US will eventually go away. Uh, don't know how long it will go away, but it will go away. So this is a fabulously well-run business that's going to grow for decades to come. Um, and uh, our Conscious Investor Fund, in fact, uh, the managed fund that we run, just bought some, in fact, uh, either yesterday or Friday, I forget now which, but uh, bought some extra CSL at the time. Now, could it go a bit cheaper? Possibly, but uh, wow, you know, uh, nobody ever picks an exact bottom. And if you're buying it at around $250 in five and 10 years time, you look back on it and think, what an amazing bargain I got. Okay, so you're, you're buying CSL at the moment and seeing this pullback as a great yeah, opportunity. Absolutely. Well, we're talking about um, uh, Great Australian MedTechs and we went through the three there. Paul, thank you for the CSL. Uh, view AJ uh, wants a view Howard on ResMed, the um, the big medical device company that specialises in in sleep disorders and breathing and um, uh, pulmonary disease um, um, and a lot lot of the masks for for sleep apnea. Uh, AJ says I've been holding the stock for a while, but the share price, like CSL, has retraced as well. Uh, AJ wants to know, is now a good time to top up or is the retracement in share price expected to continue? Well, you can never tell for sure what's going to happen to share prices. I mean, uh, you, you can pretend you do, but nobody really does. Um, but a share price has come down a fair bit. Um, but if you look at the company overall, uh, besides the obvious thing that they sell sleep apnea masks and equipment and so on, they now, since they bought Brighttree, are starting to collect an enormous amount of data from their patients over the internet. So that while you're sleeping and you're wearing a mask, um, data is being fed back on your breathing to ResMed. Now, from an R&D point of view and improving their products and improving their masks and their equipment, this is absolute heaven. What used to cost them, you know, millions and millions in R&D um, to, to try and get studies done on patients, now they've got patients providing them uh, with information all the time. So it's becoming a, a, almost in some ways a tech company and its growth rate again is likely to continue for two reasons. Number one, obese people are very prone to being uh, needing these sort of things and old people are prone to being uh, needing them. So as the population in the developed world ages and puts on weight, both of those things are very, very good indeed for ResMed. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, at the moment, it's not hugely cheap. It's a, roughly in the middle of the range of its PE ratios. So if you buy it now, you're probably buying it at a reasonably fair price. Could get a little bit cheaper, but it could just as easily run back up again to $30 in, the, in, in, in a fairly short time. So uh, um, I, I'd say, um, you know, a, a, a yes from me, but um, it could go a little bit cheaper, but at these particular prices today, it's probably a good long-term buy. Okay, all right. Um, Gary, what do you think of ResMed Morgan's um, put a, a target at 30 bucks on it? 
Yep, 3090 from Morgan's there. I think uh, Morgan Stanley a bit more conservative, around 2740 or something there. Right. But um, look, it's on about 36 times um, current year earnings. Yep. I think on about 35 next year's forecast and about 33 times 22. So, so it's still, you know, it's not, it's not again, it's not super cheap here. As, as Howard said, it can get a bit cheaper here. They're just looking at the technical picture there, around $23 was the last low. So that's a bit of yep. an area of support. The, the sort of uh, the COVID lows around about uh, 18, 18.50. Right. So there's a chance it could come back to there. I, I think if I saw it come back to around 18 bucks, that would be a dead set, you know, right. really aggressive uh, buy down there. So, right. um, but just, yeah, the segment's under a little bit of pressure. I mean, we've got respiratory um, sales sort of up and then the sleep stuff is down, but we know that's gonna reverse. Yep. So but everyone will just be wanting to see a little bit more evidence of that reverse, you know? So yep. there'll be a few question marks here. So we saw a CSL, a few question marks. Obviously that's the reason why the shares come off a little yep. bit. Didn't like to see the plasma but come off. But CSL is down to its March lows of last year now. Yeah, it's a little deeper, yeah. I mean, ResMed's come A little deeper, off. and ResMed hasn't quite, and that's a point you're making, Yeah, you can get back to those. So it's, I think ResMed's lows. 30 back to 2350 yeah. so it's still decent yeah. Ret- yeah, retracement. Just, if you look at the multiples there, you'd actually be thinking they'd be a bit cheaper, right? considering the size of the pullback, which tells you maybe a little bit about the heat that the market was getting you know, previously. So, yeah. uh, I mean, some big multiples across the market, if you look at the the market itself, it's not on a cheap model. I know that the earnings have all been upgraded here from earnings season, but we're still on a pretty expensive multiple okay. overall market. So, uh, so good, yeah. good company, expensive, something to put on the watch yeah. list if, if it pulls Look, back it, to it that might, 18 to 20 It might find support here at $23, but right. I, I'd love to be buying it at near, near 18 if I could, yeah. Yeah, but do you think it'll get to that? I think it'll be there by September for sure. I think oh. this year we're actually going to see some uh, some heavy sells in the market, yeah, into the in the second half here. So, okay. yeah. So I expect right. uh, we've already seen the bond yields already put the Nasdaq under heat here. So, yeah. I think what's only a small correction so far will be closer to forty percent off the highs eventually. Right. But would you put this in as a tech stock? Just just because there's a little bit of high multiple sort of growth stock, you'll right. find that yeah, people will start to sell. You've already seen it already here that people are moving out of some of the growth end. Yep. I know the afterpays and stuff have come off, but so is REA and car sales, some of the more quality stocks. Yep. But again, they're all on big multiples. Even looking at CSL and Resmag, great companies. Yep. Multiples still still high, still reasonably okay. high. So right. uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that, uh, AJ, for the uh, for the suggestion. Uh, Gary Justin wants a view on digital wine uh, ventures. It's, um, um, as the name implies, basically a wine buying uh, platform. They've recently just uh, gone into partnership with a Hong Kong-based company, Vivino. Um, what do you think of digital wine ventures? So the revenue up a thousand and forty-two percent for the uh, for the right. year. So uh, off what base? Off a very very low base. <laughs> <laughs> So we've gone from what eighty six thousand up to nine ninety one. So just oh, just, okay. just under a mil right. in revenue. Uh, market cap one hundred and twenty nine mil. So we're one hundred and twenty nine times right. sales. You might sort of say one hundred thirty. Right. So um, look, interesting that the share price has probably gone up the same amount, which yep. which is the uh, the only issue. So we've obviously had a lot of heat in that share price. That little chart's probably not doing it. Justice there, I've sort of got it going from like half a cent up to nine and a half here. So, right. uh, yeah, so it's, uh, 
Yeah, and because the, the charters in blocks, it sort of indicates it's not very liquid too. Yeah, so, so it's like, yeah. it's a, anyway, so it's a cloud-based, sort of digital-based sort of wine. Yep. So there's a few different, um, there's a few different platforms in it, sort of aimed at the wholesale market. Yep. Um, so reads really well. Um, there's a couple of uh, lines in there, like revolutionising the wholesale liquor market. Right. which is always great for investors, love to see uh, things like that. So, and, the, and the addressable market yeah, so, uh, yeah. is huge. But it's not just about sort of the, yes, it's obviously trying to maybe bring some of the smaller players into a, into a tech sort of based platform, so yep. cloud based. So a this, buying platform. Yeah, yeah, so look, it is definitely pretty interesting actually. I definitely sort of thought, okay, this is one to keep an eye on. It's, it's, uh, it's had a pretty good run here already, so it's, maybe it's a little bit hot currently, but if this sort of cooled off there and the, and the sales revenue line started to uh, improve, you got a bit more information from the company here about what they're going, but it's uh, definitely one to put on the radar here. So, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, have a watch at it. Yeah. Uh, Howard, what do you think of uh, digital wine? Yeah, funnily enough, uh, I wouldn't have thought digital wine would look like a mining company, but it does. It's never made a profit in 10 years, and uh, it's constantly raising more capital from its shareholders. So um, they seem to be, uh, uh, you can't say, I suppose, mining their shareholders' wallets because they aren't a mining company. I'm not quite sure. Are they drinking their shareholders' wallets? Can you, can you drink wallets? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> um, but there were 141 million shares on issue in 2012, and it's now up to the astronomical number of 1.2 billion shares. And just about every second or third year, they do a capital raising and raise more money from their shareholders. Now, uh, this is not the kind of thing that looks like a wealth winner. Uh, remember, right. in the end, what a company does has some relationship to it becoming a success or not, but only a small part. Much more important is are the people who run the business capable of running a business profitably? And that's why in every industry you'll find there's one or two wealth winners, quite a few mediocre companies, and a hell of a lot of capital killers. Right. Um, and yet they're doing the same thing uh, on theory. in theory. You know, they're all doing exactly the same thing. So looking at this company, um, I think our team invest members would have a giggle and say, well, um, it may be fun to drink their wine, but uh, <laughs> you wouldn't want to put any money into the company okay. because it seems like uh, um, it just gets used up and more gets raised. Yeah, check to see if they've got any uh, shareholder benefits. You'll also find that, David, that the yeah, that's that's probably right in the history, like this, this company's been changed as well. So ah, right. there's a mining company in the past there. So right, yeah. So, so it's um, a backdoor listing. So the asset, so the asset, the asset class that's been rolled in here is a little different. Yeah. So right. that's sort of new. So it's hard to sort of go back and look at all the trend yeah. in the past. So yeah. Um, yeah, yes. good point. Yeah. All right. So, um, so it, wasn't, it wasn't all the time a wine company. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, Howard, Stephen wants uh, a view on the VanEck Vectors China New Economy ETF. Uh, Stephen says, I'd like exposure to the growing middle class in China and considering this as an option. I'm a fan of the uh, methodology, but I'm just worried as I know very little about the underlying companies. Yeah, and I think uh, it's an interesting question because, Stephen, um, when you buy into a, what is really an index fund with particular uh, type of companies that this one uh, specialises in that index, um, you are not going to know about the individual companies, nor need you, because you're not making any decisions on the individual companies. 
the fund managers making the decisions on that based on whether they're in the index or not. So in other words, if the company becomes popular and its share price goes up or its earnings go up one or the other, and it then gets into the index, they buy it in proportion to the index. If on the other hand, it drops out because its share price dropped or it made less money and therefore its share price dropped, um, they sell it. Uh, and therefore every six months or so, um, you would probably find that the underlying companies would, some of them would change, not, not many of them, but some of them would change. So if you're looking for exposure to the Chinese middle class, this is one way of getting exposure, um, some, certainly simpler than trying to find out about individual companies in China. Um, I'm not a big fan on passive funds because I enjoy managing my own portfolio, as do most Team Invest members. But for a, a very large number of people who either don't have the time or the inclination or the knowledge to run their own portfolio, uh, something like a fund like this, that's a passive fund based on uh, an, an area of the world that you're interested in investing in, can be a very good idea because uh, it enables you to be invested in a large number of Chinese companies without having to know anything about them. Yep. Okay. And this is one of the better ones by the sound of it. Uh, uh, how, Gary? I actually have invested in this company before, oh. actually. So, yeah, because, I mean, it's hard to get um, direct access into Chinese companies. So mm. a lot of them are sort of uh, more Asian. Yeah. So therefore, you've only got a, a, a tinge of Chinese. So uh, so this is 120 of the what they consider the higher growth companies. Right. So all, all uh, listed and domiciled in, uh, in China. Yep. So you're really getting quite a specific mm. basket. So if you, if you follow the international indices like I do and I, if I, if I think wow that that looks really interesting yep. um, and I want to be specifically invested in that that market then it's uh, it's pretty good it's actually had a really good performance from from the get-go so yeah. it has has a few runs on the board so uh, from my experience I found, I found that Vanek guys pretty good yep um, so the CNU which is the new economy so 120 growth and they've also got the uh, the C ETF which is like a basket of the like a top 200 as well right. so I just wanted to be in a vanilla yeah. top 20, or sorry, top 200, I think it is. Um, yeah, that's the other one as well. But the senior is pretty interesting. I, I actually don't think it's the time to be buying it here because we're seeing growth come off here. Bond yields right. are rising here and scaring the market. So yep. I think that's going to come off. But once once that p trade has played out and this, these stocks' growth comes off a bit more, okay. uh, CNU is definitely on my radar as one of the stocks that I, I really like the Asian story longer term. Right. And specifically China as well, I think is going to be a great segment. So. Okay. Yeah. So, so good ETF, Great ETF. well run, yep. not the right time to be buying it at the moment. Correct. Okay. All right. Yep. There you go, Stephen. Thank you for that. Um, let's just recap the uh, first five stocks. West Africa Resources are no. Woodside are no from both Gary and Howard. Uh, CSL, a yes from Howard. Uh, Team Invest, their uh, investment fund has been buying some CSL the last couple of days. Gary wants to wait for it to, uh, if it can get down to that 243 mark, which he reckons it will, uh, that will be better buying there. Um, a yes from Howard on ResMed. Uh, Gary would like to see it test its March lows, like CSL is doing now. Um, for ResMed, that's 18 to $20. Uh, Digital Wine Ventures, a no from Howard. Uh, Gary's put it on his radar, looks interesting and Vanek China, uh, well run if you want to uh, have exposure to that part of the economy. But Gary, uh, tending to think that uh, 
those sorts of stocks could be hit a bit further. Good ETF, uh, but maybe leave it for a little while and you'll get better buying opportunities in the future. Uh, here at the call, we have our own fantasy portfolio. Uh, we've been tracking since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Any stocks that get two thumbs up, uh, go into the portfolio if the stocks come up again in front of uh, another expert panel that we have on the call and they don't get unanimous approval, they come out again. If we take a look at how the fund is or the fantasy portfolio is going last week down 2.4% for the month, down five and a quarter since the 1st of July, up 20%. Some of the stocks recently added, uh, Dragon Tail Systems, Vista Group, IDP Education, Integral Diagnostics and Qantas. Some of the ones that have come out, 40S Memory, Macquarie and Bravura. If you want to see all the stocks in the portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, coming up after 1pm, uh, Tim Hart, the Chief Executive of Fremont Petroleum, joins us to talk about the company's latest American acquisition. That's at 1.20 this afternoon, Eastern Daylight Time. All right, uh, let's get into our uh, the second half of the call, our um, second lot of five stocks. And uh, Gary James wants a view on United Overseas Australia. It's a property group based in Malaysia in, uh, in Kuala Lumpur. Yes, it's all sort of Malaysian sort of business type business there. So yeah, I saw the revenue line was down 24% last full year. Yeah. Profit was up 5%. So obviously sort of managing it well in the current environment. Uh, PEs under 12, yields around 2.6%. So. Look, the metrics look okay. It's just not for me personally. Yep. So not not a segment that I'm interested in. Um, yep. Yeah, you're in a different risky domain as well. So yep. yeah, but um, also a little liquid as well. Not not the most liquid sort of stock on the on the market. So uh, you know, doesn't have the you know something not the doesn't trade sort of big yep. volumes there. So it can move around a little bit. But um, but yeah, look looks reasonable, but uh, not not for me personally. Okay. Howard. Yeah. Yeah, um, the fact that it's uh, based in Malaysia and invests in property in Australia does make it a bit of a difficult company to get your head around all the time. Um, it's on a very, very low PE ratio of about 8.8 uh, .8 at the moment. The only other company I know on such a low PE ratio is our own company, Team Invest Private. And, uh, you know, so, so remarkably low PE ratio. But uh, as Gary says, it's very thinly traded. Um, return on equity, like most property companies, it's not high enough to pass our filters. Uh, many years ago, they used to have a higher return on equity and did for a short while pass our filters. So we did look at it then and came to the same conclusion that both Gary and I have you know, talked about now that thinly traded, hard to get your head around understanding it thoroughly yep. because of its uh, okay. domicile and so on. So uh, a no from us, but it's certainly very cheap. So if you're comfortable with that, uh, being based in Malaysia, investing in property in Australia, uh, you're certainly getting it at a pretty cheap price. Okay. All right. Amber wants a view, uh, Howard, on ALS. The uh, Basically, they're, they're a big laboratory company, aren't they, that, that test mineral samples and things like that. But recently, are growing its pharmaceutical business. They've um, had an, uh, an acquisition recently in Investiga, Investiga. Um, which has operations in Brazil and the east coast of the United States. What do you think of ALS? 
Yeah, this is a company that uh, is a very, very old company. It was yeah. called Campbell Brothers, originally became ALS, uh, been around for something like 100 odd years and uh, involved in all sorts of testing, mainly uh, for the mining industry, coal exports, that sort of thing. Also environmental testing now, um, some medical testing as well, as you say. So quite, as you say, large number of laboratories. It's had a sort of an up and down history. It's, it's had several years where it's done extraordinarily well and then periodically made an acquisition that turned out badly. They made an acquisition of an oil and gas testing company in the US and landed up overpaying dramatically and had a write down uh, almost all they paid for it. And they've had one or two hiccups like that over the years. So overall, uh, been a reasonably good business, but uh, have, has had some bad times along the way. The debt levels are a little bit higher than they usually are, so it wouldn't pass our filters now from a debt point of view. So a no for me, but it's, it's certainly not a bad company. Uh, and if you want to spend a lot of time learning about what they're doing, uh, it could well be worthwhile. Uh, but it takes a fair bit of work because they're constantly making acquisitions. So you've got to keep up with what's the latest thing that they're currently doing. Yep. Uh, Gary? Yeah, so uh, they're on about 25 times earnings and the acquisition uh, is on about 11 times. So, right. so it's not a bad time to be doing it because obviously they're not paying cash, it's all equity. Um, Orientated, so so that's probably quite good. But as uh, as Howard says, there's uh, some history of not uh, not succeeding in some of these purchases. So that's probably the the risk here. It's probably why the stocks come off a little bit as well. Um, oftentimes, when you do make an acquisition too, then um, there's a, oftentimes there's a betting down period. So it takes a little while to sort of for that synergies to be yep. to come through, and then the market obviously also wants to see evidence mm. that's coming through as well. So yep. I just think the multiples a little high here, but probably not a bad time for it to be doing that that uh, that acquisition there when when it's multiples probably twice or well, more than twice what they're paying for it so right. yeah so I'm not that there's a little bit of room for error there right in okay. terms of uh, yeah where they're where, where they're at so but the, you'd want to wait and see yeah I just sort of find that yeah I mean the stocks had a great run it's gone from I know you know what 450 up to 1150 is a big move I know that was sort of after COVID there but it's still quite a bit, still above its sort of uh, sort of February uh, highs as well before COVID. So right. it's still on the high end. So yep. yeah, just, you just oftentimes you find after these acquisitions there, they can just sort of retreat a bit. So, um, but it's probably one just just to keep an eye on. But I think it'll get cheaper here personally. Okay. All right. Um, our next stock uh, that you'd like us to take a look at is one that's been in the headlines a bit the last day or two. Uh, the data analytics company uh, Newix um, uh, was afloat late last year, um, had pretty good uh, couple of months and IPO'd uh, quite strongly, uh, but has come under a bit of pressure since then and their management over the last couple of days has been out defending uh, its performance, um, which um, has been really interesting. Yesterday yeah. at share price, I think it was up 6% as a result of, there we go, that's been absolutely hammered and then came back a bit yesterday after management says that it was uh, going to meet its guidance. Yeah, so listing date 4th of the 12th last yep. year. And uh, yeah, so... Went up 50%. <laughs> investigative analytics and intelligence software. So that I do yep. a little bit for governments and stuff there and um, so I can kind of like... Um, 
kind of, kind of analyze any, any any issues and stuff that, that occur there. But it just does sort of worry me a little bit here um, that this might be a little bit old. Sort of like it's been a, they've had like a fifteen year history, so yeah. lots of sort of old relationships there. But just wonder whether the um, whether the business is a little old style as well. So um, yeah, and just obviously they've had the updates have been pretty negative or you know disappointing first half result, which was under what. Um, was in a prospectus, so yep. Um, yep. and so early to be disappointing shareholders is not not a good sign. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be sort of you know sitting back here. I'm just a bit worried about their um, the, the yeah the sort of software cloud based, just sort of how where they're at there. So just okay. um, concerns me that they're already starting to lose. Like looks like they've lost a little bit of business there. I know we're in a disruptory environment yeah. there, so some risks there. Yeah. But um, but yeah, definitely. A, yeah, sit back and wait, I think. Yeah. Okay. Howard? Yeah, too new for us to look at in uh, Team Invest, but as a general rule, um, uh, uh, viewers should always remember that a prospectus is really a legally put together marketing document. You can't say anything in it which you, you can't in some way substantiate, but it's a marketing document. It's designed to get people to want to put their money into the company. So everything is always painted as positively as it possibly can be. I mean, probably the best example of that was Maya some years ago, um, where you know the whole idea is to make it look really, really good so that the people who currently own shares can sell some of them at the highest possible price to the people coming in. So because of that, and because uh, you therefore don't really know how the management's gonna handle a listed environment thereafter, um, we don't in Team Invest ever look at new listings. Um, that, you know, our viewpoint is the company's got to be listed for at least several years and show a track record of reporting accurately to the market before we'd be uh, taking any real interest in it. So, a definite no from me, but uh, for viewers in general, always when you read a prospectus, read it with the thought pattern of I must understand I'm reading a marketing document. They're going to make it look and sound the best possible way yeah. they can uh, without telling any lies. It's sort of the marketing brochure, isn't it? To, uh, That's right. to get you in like buying a house always, when, when you sell your house, it always looks better in the marketing brochure <laughs> than, than you ever thought it was. But uh, to Gary's Absolutely. point, um, um, listed on the 4th of December and didn't meet the pr prospectus forecast yeah. for that six months, which is, you would take your first one you would meet. You're getting a miss pretty early, so yeah. that's, that's a, that's a, a red so flag. So they've got to rebuild their reputation with the, yeah. the investment community, yeah. don't they? Which yeah. they've been doing the last couple of days, been pretty aggressive putting out information. Mm. All right. Um, Howard, Mick wants a view on uh, 4D Medical. This is the, uh, um, the, the medical scanning business. They've just won a big contract uh, for their lung scanning technology. Um, particularly uh, um, scanning uh, the lungs of, uh, of young children. So again, we've got a, a bit of a medical bend on the, uh, on the stock suggested today at the call. What do you think of 4D Medical? Well, um, certainly its technology sounds really interesting indeed. Yeah. And anything that helps um, our medical side of things so that we all can be uh, uh, diagnosed better is, can only be a good thing. It's a brand new listing. We don't really know whether they are going to be capable of running a profit company profitably in the long term. 
Um, we don't know if somebody else is going to come up with another technology that's better than theirs. So too early to be able to tell anything about it. But certainly, uh, I hope I hope as a business they do well because they're going to contribute to the health of the world. So I hope they do yeah. well, but I wouldn't invest in it. Yeah, I often say this on the call with some of the companies that we come across that uh, particularly the, the med techs or biotechs, you think, gee, if they could only pull this off, this would be terrific, not just financially, but to, to help people. Um, and we have a good sector in that regard, but they're like little mining explorers, Howard, aren't they? That you know, There's a big are, risk when you get in early. Yeah, I think uh, I saw some research a few years ago, probably is fairly accurate still today, that about one in 40 of listed biotechs ever returns any money to shareholders. The other 39 out of 40 eventually just fade away, die, go broke, uh, whatever. Um, so it's it's a very, very long odds against you when you buy into yep. one of them. But but I hope all of them succeed. Uh, yep. You know, anybody who's got oh, a yeah. really genuine technology or, or, or something they're doing, I hope they're successful. Yeah, I reckon that might be a bit Gary? bit old, that, uh, that uh, research there, because we used to have a ton of biotechs and yeah, as, as I would say, most of them used to fail there, but in recent times, I reckon that percentage will be a lot more. And there's a lot of repurpose sort of stuff as well, so which yeah. is a bit lo less risk there. So I think more biotech succeed right. in the last decade than, than probably the previous decade before that. What do you think um, of 4D? It's funny, actually, a few, few brokers told me to have a look at this one early oh. on because they, they were pretty, pretty excited by it. Um, so when I sort of sent it to a couple of uh, clients in the in the in the industry, in the field, I didn't really know anything about it. So, right. so it made me sort of, okay, well, some brokers getting started. It's obviously had a pretty hot run initially yeah. and, then, and then it's cooled off here now. So, yeah. yeah so, so what does a chart like that tell you? Because it did go well initially, stabilised, yeah. and and it's, as Howard would say, it's only, yeah. only got listed in August, then stabilised at a higher level and now come back testing those, those August, September levels. Yeah. I, I reckon if you look at uh, the last 100 companies listed in the last, uh, say, six months, the IPOs, you'll find a very similar pattern which oh, occurs. Oh, a lot of them will come on and there'll be a lot of heat and excitement yeah, yeah. and they'll tend to pop up initially. Even, I think, uh, after paying zero had an initial flush, flurry, yeah. then they sort of tend to cool off. Obviously, might be just because you know, things go quiet, so obviously all the marketing's yeah. all done. You're waiting six months for the next report to come out. Yeah. Um, and they just tend to, the heat sort of comes out. Some of the, the froth initial, you know, will cool off there. So I just find they often come back and they go near the low, or maybe sometimes they'll go back and retest the low. Right. And that's probably the time. It's almost like Howard's saying, better off to wait here. Yeah. But I think you're a bit off to wait to sort of see them come back and retest the lows and then try and do some homework and see what they're going right. on. But there's definitely okay. a, a pattern advice. which happens there, yeah. Yep. All right, Mick, thank you for that. And our final stock, uh, Gary Jarrod wants a view on. Incanex um, Healthcare, which is medicinal, uh, what is it, uh, cannabis oil, is it? Cannabis oil, so sleep, acne, brain trauma, yeah. sepsis, uh, yeah, respiratory distress syndrome. So it's got some um, interesting sort of areas that they're, yeah. um, that they're trying to, it's, it's a little early for me, so um, they do have a partnership with Monash University in there, but um, we've only got like 1.2 million in revenue for the half year. And the market cap's about 189 mil. So, wow. so say we're sitting on what, maybe two and a half million potentially revenue. Um, 
The loss is quite substantial, around about 2.8 for the half. So right. it's probably looking around five and a half, six for the year. So, right. so it's, it is spending a lot of money here. So, and they're on about 50 times revenue. Yeah, that's right. right. So yeah, and there's a, obviously there's going to be some growth there, um, but there's some trials going on as well. So it's still right. very early. So it's one to sort of keep an eye on. Look, I think 19% held by the insiders, which I always like to see a heavy holding in the company by the by the management, yeah. um, which is which is good, um, but a little early for me. So okay, yeah, uh, Howard. Yeah, same thing. I mean, far too early, and um, you know. Uh, looking at the the you can't say pe ratio because it doesn't have any earnings it's running at a loss and in the end businesses succeed if the management are capable of running the business profitably we've got no evidence that these management are capable of uh, running the business profitably so wouldn't interest our team invest members and um, uh, I, i'm reminded of a joke somebody made about a similar company to this a little while ago when he looked at the multiple of revenue that was on one of our team invest members, and he said, maybe they high on the product, the people who've been buying it. <laughs> so, uh, don't know, but uh, again, um, you know, we're looking, if we're going to invest in a business as opposed to bet on the possibility that a stock goes up, yep. if you're investing in a business, you want the business to be profitable, otherwise your investment is worth less every day that they lose money. Mm. Okay, all right, good point. Let's just recap the final five stocks in the call today. United Overseas, ALS, Newix, Fortius, um, and Medical, and Inconex. Um, each get a no from uh, both Howard and Gary. Uh, Howard Coleman from Team Invest, thanks for joining us. Always great to catch up. Pleasure. It was good being on again. Yep. Gary Glover, uh, go and put your feet up. Mate, okay. soak them. Are you, you're putting the Denko rub on the... Uh, no, just trying to... Just trying to walk. <laughs> <coughs> well, that's a very good start, is that? That's All right, right, mate. Thanks for yeah. hobbling in. Thank you. Good to see you. All right. Um, that's our show for today. If uh, you'd like any stocks you'd like us to cover here on the call, uh, just uh, put them in an email to us at the call at ausbiz.com today or tweet us using the at TV handle. Uh, a reminder, all the stocks in the calls, fantasy portfolio, uh, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, coming up on the Startup Daily show at 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, takes a look at lots of the big venture capital businesses, investors, big tech platforms, where well, you can't get uh, tech platforms any bigger than Alibaba. Maggie Zhao, who is the uh, Australian MD of Alibaba, uh, is joining the team as she explains about her journey with China's biggest e-commerce business, its plans here for Australia, and also how Australian companies can sell into China using Alibaba's range of platforms. So good to have Maggie on the show a bit later. Uh, That's it for uh, the call for today. A lot happening on AusBiz this afternoon. Stick around back after the break.